Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. Very good. I think we're live. Uh, we're live. Welcome back, ah! Sean. Introduce everybody back to the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of Craft Advice. Uh, this week, as we mentioned to you, we're going to be touching on a little bit more of the, uh, the crypto universe, the metaverse, if you will, uh, touching uh, a lot more on Ethereum. So we're going to really dive into Ethereum, what it is, uh, what are a lot of the applications or the use cases for it. How is it different than Bitcoin? And then obviously, how to invest in it, right? That's the most important thing we're going to touch on. How can we make money on it? How can we invest in it? How can we get exposure to this new and exciting different technology? Um, but we've got a new guest with us this week. Obviously, Jack and I are back, but we've got Crypto Chris with us in the house. Crypto Chris, say hey to the audience. Hello, everybody. I am Chris Eng. They call me Crypto Chris, but I don't know if I'm quite Crypto Chris yet. Maybe, maybe one Compared day. Compared to the two of us morons, you are Crypto Chris. Crypto Chris. And for those of you drinking at home, anytime the word, time Sean says the words gas fees, you have to take a drink. Ooh. So. Or Crypto Or Crypto Chris. Chris. So you're going to be drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyways, well, let's right. start with what you're drinking, Sean. What do you got? So, all right. As always... Southern Swells, my favorite Do local you guys work here. For them, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, we're we're going to be sponsored by them before this is all over. Okay. Southern okay. Swells, we've got a <laughs> crazy easy pale ale. Uh, nice little light, hazy pale ale, very solid. Get a little, ooh, clean. That was nice. Fancy. Fancy. Well, what about you, boys? What do you got? What do you got? I got three daughters, Bimini Twist IPA. Mm. Local St. Pete beer. There we go. Getting back to the local roots. I'm happy. This is going to be Kathy Wood's favorite beer when she moves down here. Damn right it will be. <laughs> Damn right it will be. Chris, what are you drinking? I have a pernicious from Wicked Weed. See if we can see that there. Pretty delicious. I think it's North Carolina is where they're from. Nice little IPA out of a... Uh, well, I'm getting two thumbs down for the uh, for the audio listener. I don't you know what I'm one. Sean, 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 uh, that's a Budweiser product, but yeah. Anyway, that's all right. That's all right. We all do it. They still have a location in Nashville, so you know Before, it makes it. At one point, they weren't sellouts, so it's cool. It it was craft. It tastes craft. It looks craft, so it must be Touché. craft. Touché. Guilty by association. Yes. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, for anyone that didn't get enough of the crypto that is somehow weaved into every episode due to Sean, <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go deep into more crypto today. We've had a lot of. We sent a poll out on Facebook, and the request was more beer and more crypto. So again, cheers to you guys. Cheers. Today, though, we want to. We, we did a whole episode on Bitcoin, how to invest in it, what it is, how to think about it. So we want to do Ethereum because that's like the next big player. And over the coming weeks, we'll try to pick some of the random coins that are popping up in the news, like Solana, Cardano. We'll hit on those a little bit today, but today's going to focus mostly on what Ethereum does. So, Sean, you want to maybe kick it off with what the heck is Ethereum? Uh, yeah, yeah. So Ethereum, um, so, so 
first distinction I would make is that Ethereum and ETH are two separate things. So when everybody thinks of investing or buying Ethereum, they're actually thinking about buying ETH, which is the the, the token of Ethereum, of the Ethereum network. Um, so the Ethereum network is essentially a decentralized internet. It's the brand new internet, uh, essentially of the future. And versus today where most traffic is funneled through third-party choke points, you know, think Amazon, web servers, um, you know, large third parties that, uh, again, have a lot more control over the flow of information. This will be a much more open architecture structure. And to encourage people to develop programs for that, this is where the coin, you know, ETH comes in. And, and essentially, that's what it is. It's the second largest crypto by market cap. Um, and again, it's... Uh, it's gaining, it's gaining a lot of uh, attention and a lot of uh, speed this year. Yeah. This is the new thing, the new new. new Everything's new. trying to figure out how new to incorporate new. Ethereum. Chris, how do you think of this compared to Bitcoin? What do you, what sticks out the most? I, I think it's different, right? There are two blockchains doing two different things. And ETH has a lot of changes coming down the road, right, Sean? Isn't there ETH 2.0 coming out? In yep. So there was just a, uh, a massive um, upgrade to the system that's going to help with uh, lowering the supply over time, uh, burning gas fees. And it's, hey, the seat. Drink. It's going Drink. from... Uh, he said gas fee. <laughs> Drink. It's going from proof of work to proof of stake, yep. I believe, yep. is the yep. big transition there. Yeah. But... Sequel is not always better than the original. You know, that's been a Gavin, yeah, the movie buff. He was listening and he would know. Got to worry about it. Yeah, so proof of work versus proof of stake is a big difference uh, because a lot of what we saw, especially over the summer with Bitcoin and just the overall crypto market, was a blowback from environmentalists and governmental agencies basically saying that you're using all this dirty energy and burning up all this uh, fossil fuels to just make yourself richer on this money that's potentially nefarious. And so it's like doing bad, get bad money. And so it had all this bad publicity. Uh, you have the, this replaces gold. You have, I don't believe in government, so I'm going to keep my money here. And then some people just look at it like an alternative investment. Ethereum's kind of different. This is where the, the concept of smart contracts comes up. So theoretically... I kind of think about it like a like your Amazon Alexa. You just program what you want it to do, and then you just give the command, and away it goes. So now, for example, if I'm trying to sell a house, you got to go through a lending process that takes weeks and weeks and weeks, if not months. You got to send bank statements back and forth. Theoretically, with Ethereum, you have your own personal finances. Whatever you're trying to purchase has a kind of contract built into it. If you do X, you get Y. And the money then can transition on its own. So this is the big thing everyone's building off of now is what mundane, monotonous steps can you just program into code and then have money pull from me to Chris or Chris to Sean and vice versa with just programming language. Has anyone here used a smart contract or anything? The answer is no, Jack. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> the metaverse is not here yet. Well, no. Well, I think we're we're super early stages yeah. in all this, right? It's 
this is going to give us the ability to disrupt so many different industries. Mortgages is one of them, but I don't think we've gotten there yet. So far, we've gotten DeFi out of it. Uh, NFTs as well. Are those considered smart contracts? I don't know if they are exactly, but we haven't really got the disruption of all these things yet. But it's, I think that's the hype behind it because it's this great new technology and you may be able to adopt it in every industry, you know, finance, healthcare, all of it. So when does that start to roll out, you guys think? I, I think a lot of this is you just have a lot of people that don't understand how to use computers to begin with. I <laughs> tell them, hey, everything is computer money now. <laughs> it's like, you know, your grandfather would punch you in the yeah. mouth and be like, shut up. Files are in the computer. Doesn't credit cards feel like internet money too? I mean, you don't actually ever see any dollars that are I mean, on Do you ever see the person so. in front of you at the grocery store that pulls out cash and you just want to slap them across the head? Preach, what crypto, is- Chris, preach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think a good, I think a good thing to maybe look at, a good way to illustrate Ethereum, Chris, would maybe be to explain what an NFT is. There's been a lot of this going on in the news with art, digital art selling for a lot of money, but maybe explain how. NFTs are using smart contracts to pay the artist, but then also track sales going forward. I'll let, I'll let Sean <laughs> take this one to start. Crypto Sean, I'll follow so you NFTs, up, my friend. Yeah, so it's just uh, non-fungible tokens is essentially what that stands for, um, you know, an acronym. But basically, it's, just, it's a way to have the verifiable, authentic, 100% version of whatever it is. Right, whether it's a picture of these three knuckleheads in front of you, right? We could turn that into an NFT. Whether it's Michael Jordan, you know, in the nineteen eighty four dunk contest where he's flying in the sky, whatever it is, right? It's you can take that, and you can turn it into an NFT. You can sell it, right? There's crypto kitties. There's, I mean, the the what were the the monkey ones? It was like the yacht monkey, whatever. Anyways. Yeah, society or something. Yeah, some just ridiculous stuff, right? But the point is, is these are going to be part of a newer digital society where art is, you know, digital art is just more highly sought after than traditional art, right? You're not looking for the Vincent Van Goghs of the world. I mean, just traditional art is just going to start sliding to the wayside more, you know, dynamic digital art is really going to start taking place. Something that's collectible, it has a market, it has a demand. Um, that's really where NFTs come in. And the NFT is what makes it authentic. Chris, I'd like to really uh, applaud your your redirection there. That was like, you should be in law school with that. <laughs> I'm going to defer to my oh, colleague. What's your, what's your re- like, Chris, what's about NFTs? You're like, no, tell us about NFTs. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, I think he probably, knows, he, he probably knows more than I do. But I think of NFTs in, in two different ways. Because currently you have all those things you just described, where it's crypto kitties and board apes. And it's basically... Anybody. I, I, I read some story where there was a 12-year-old minting all sorts of NFTs, whatever he wanted, and he was making like 400 grand. I don't know if it was this year. I think it was this year or maybe last year. So right now, people can just mint or which is create any NFT they want, put it on the marketplace, whether it's on Ethereum, Solana, Cardano has them. There's NFTs on a lot of different blockchains. And, and so people can bid on them. And everything in the NFT world seems to inflate right now. But what about the other side of this, what, what if there's a way we could take all the physical art collectibles, wine collections, watch collections, 
and tie them to an NFT. So what if there's, you know, instead of me selling you a fake bottle of wine for 20 grand, right? I just I slapped a label on it and just copied the copycatted the real uh, producer of that wine. What if you can tie all these things to an NFT? So when you go buy a bottle of wine, you have to actually get ownership of the NFT, proving that that is the real bottle of wine or the real art piece or whatever. So that, I think that's it, it's cool right now. It's in the metaverse. It's great. I can I can buy a you know a, a digital plot of land and put my digital house on it and then put my digital board apes up in my uh, my room in my in my metaverse home. But how can this apply to the actual real world, which is what I think might be pretty cool yeah, to see. The, the cool thing was who was that was what was the guy's name that sold that painting for like seventy million dollars? People. People. I think John, you might have dropped. I think he did. Yep. He'll be back. All right, we're back after another round of technical difficulties. Welcome back to Tech Support with Jack and Sean. Um, no, but back to the NFT concept. The, the NFT concept, the guy Beeple we were just talking about. This is, I think, where it has the most legs. Now you sell art. You know, you sell a painting, you sell a piece of music, whatever it might be. Normally, you sell it, someone buys it from you, and then away you go. This is actually common. And I know we've had some friends that recorded some stupid video at like a football game on Instagram, and then a million companies come out and try to buy the rights from whoever took it, and then they go out and just sue everyone else for using it. Theoretically, using smart contracts, you retain the initial right. You can license it out, and then you're retaining that that compensation as something goes viral. So it's kind of like if you try to use photos for making a website or something like that. And sometimes it'll say this one is owned by Getty Images and you need to pay them $4 or whatever it is to use this. You can kind of use smart contracts or, or the NFT is basically using a smart contract to take some good tie down who owns it. And then every time it exchanges hands, it kind of handles the payment flow back and forth, which is a pretty interesting way to look at this. I like the idea of how it meets the physical world. I don't know which one's getting more uh, accelerant right now. Is it metaverse or is it this real world meets the digital world? I'd probably guess the latter of the two. Think about it, that. Uh, think about that, Sean. Buying a Beeple? Buying a Beeple. Yeah, I mean, I think you buy a Beeple today, it's going to be worth more tomorrow. So there's nothing wrong with that. Crypto <laughs> only goes up. It, does, it yeah. doesn't go down, Jack. Unless it goes, it only goes down when it goes down 90%. Mm. When I, that should be another meme. When crypto goes down, it goes down hard. Now, what's the Instagram post we put up? When I buy the dip, it keeps on dipping. <laughs> That's what it feels like with everything. Yeah. In honor yeah. of that, let's, uh, you know, there you go. Boom, boom. I got beer all over my computer monitor. <laughs> fail. Epic fail. Yeah, epic fail. No, but I was just pulling up the, uh, the list of the, the NFTs, right? So you've got, the, the one that everybody knows of, it's, you know, the famous one from Beeple, the first 5,000 days. So it's a piece of art that he released every day going back, or nearly every day, going back to 2007 when he first started creating digital art. And it's it went for se just under $70 million. That's incredible. I mean, that dude deserves, you know, round of I mean, applause. that's incredible. I you mean, that's, game the system, dude. Home that's run. Incredible. <laughs> Go buy your Beverly Hills mansion and piss off all your neighbors. Did he, did he game it. the system, or is this the new, the new system, Jack? Is this 
is that $70 million people going to be looking at as a steal one day? Because. Well, maybe this is just the new version of, of art. I mean, we, the internet that's, is pretty new. Yeah. People couldn't make digital art a hundred years ago. Right. So that's all we could do is paint and draw stuff. Cause that's all we had. But this is the art 2.0, I guess you could say people can make some pretty cool looking things. I don't know. Like I'm looking at something called a pudgy penguin right now. That's going for two and a half <laughs> ETH. And I mean, it's a, as it should, what's two and a half ETH? That's, 10 grand or something like that. Like that's a lot of, that's a a lot of money for a pudgy penguin in a cowboy hat. But I mean, this might just in, won't be long gone, but in 200 years when people talk about art, this just might be the version of art they think about. They might not think about the old school version of people who painted stuff. We know back in the day when, you know, yeah, medieval times and they raid the castle, they just burn your fucking paintings. Maybe now they just go burn your server, and then there mm-hmm. goes your pudgy penguin. But you know, it's the same thing; it's a different. <laughs> well, so think about it this way, right? So if you if you buy an, a piece of art, you are relying on third party, you know, certifiers that are saying this is an authentic piece of X, right? Whatever the artist's name, and you're hoping that it's real, but you don't know, right? It could be a very, very good fake, right? right? There's no way to really, really know. You're just relying on these other people's. Like an NFT is the only way, right? Because it is a, it's an indisputable piece of code that says this is this piece of art that was made by this person at this time. Like it's a, like an unchangeable time-stamped Picasso that can never be copied. And you can copy it, but you can obviously easily verify like, oh, this is a copy of it, but it's not the original one. So it's not its value. Right? It's a very, very easy way of very trans. Uh, a transparent way to see the authenticity of the object, whatever it is, whether it's art, whether it's a sports card, whether, you know, again, whatever that NFT is. You're yeah. using the security of the blockchain to, you know, have that verification, right? And I think when people, when you think of the word NFT, you need to think of what it, the acronym actually stands for, non-fungible token. Yep. NF, the acronym NFT, to me, just gets lost. I think about these stupid pudgy penguins. I don't actually think about what it is. So if you think about something that's non-fungible, that's pretty powerful, right? Of course, some guy sitting in his digital mansion right now is furious at what you're saying. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'll go buy a pudgy penguin, you know? No, I won't actually. It's 10 grand. Not doing that. Honestly, it would be a hell of a buy. That sounds like a steal. Deep value play right now. Deep value. But so kind of rolling on this smart contracts theme. We'll get into DeFi in a second, but I think I'm going to hit on the social token aspect of this. So part of these, again, Ethereum created the idea of a smart contract. If you do X, you get Y. So what you're starting to see now sprout up, and this is basically in everything, is it's almost like how do you reward super fans for something? Could be a sports team, could be a video game, could be a club and so you're starting to see could be could be Peloton subscribers. Yeah, it, you're starting to see if you contribute to a community, you are rewarded with a token that's on some variation of Ethereum. And a real popular one that I've seen is people that want to be independent news writers for like a social blo- a social networking yep. uh, blockchain or whatever it is, where it's like a decentralized social network depending on how much you contribute and how much other people look and read your stuff, you can actually start getting funded 
yep. with the tokens. So I'm going to guess in the future, if you're a super fan of Florida State, like Sean, there's possibly a way you could use social tokens. Oh, he's crying because his team sucks right now. <laughs> oh, and four, I think. It's pretty sad. Hey, fuck off, all right? We're one and four. Hey, I uh, like him too, man. We're one, is it, we're one is it, and four. Is it one and four you now? Uh, one in four, you son of a bitch. I There's a last four, game. If there were a Florida State token right now, it'd be a blood. It'd it. be a crypto winner. Mm. So you'd have to you'd deep, hold. Deep so that, value. That, that, that deep is, value. That is pretty cool that these different people or whatever it is, a sports team can have a social token. How would you spend it, though? So how do you get What I don't know is how do you get it? So if I, if I love FSU and they have a social token, how do I mine the token so I can have some, or how do I buy the token? And then how do I spend the token? You know, can I go to the stadium and and buy a beer with the token or buy some food with the token? So the the best example I can think of is there's a huge video game that's popular over in Asia called Axie Infinity. Basically, the more you play the game, you're able to, as your character grows, as you find items, you exchange for something called Axie Token. And that is a directly convertible into Ethereum. So you're seeing people in Vietnam that used to make, you know, a thousand, a couple thousand dollars a year most are now making yeah. like $50,000 playing video games all day long. They spend all their time in this community. They harvest things that other players want. They sell them off in the game and then convert back to Ethereum and then convert to the dollars. So I kind of think Ethereum almost created a level like like Bitcoin is looked at as this universal payment. Most people also assume Ethereum is. So as long as you have a way to get back to a common digital currency, you can use these social networks. Again, if nobody likes Florida State, then maybe the token doesn't convert for very much. It's kind of like, I guess, if you own pesos, you know, it's not a... <laughs> Sean, I'm just sticking the knife in real deep right here. I went to UNF. We don't have a team, Sean, you know. Oh, don't hit the mic, Sean. <laughs> oh, God. Be careful. No. Blow our ears oh, out again. Oh, God. All right, Sean, before you blow up the microphone, tell us about DeFi. That's the other aspect. DeFi, of- yeah, I know. Decentralized finance. So it's essentially leveraging smart contracts to eliminate a lot of the financial inter- intermediaries that we have in today's legacy financial system. Real right? quick, so Sean. Banks. Aren't, yep, aren't, aren't smart contracts just all together? a way to eliminate middlemen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's a right, good way to think about it. Save money, eliminate middlemen. That should be exactly. I mean, I like that. Save, save time, eliminate money. <laughs> <laughs> but keep going on DeFi. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's Venmo 2.0. I mean, it's like everybody understands the peer to peer direct payment system, right? We all use Venmo or most people in our generation and below use some form of Venmo, Cash App, some type of direct payment system. And this is really just building on that to the nth degree and using it for much more than just like, hey, I want to send my buddy 20 bucks because I lost a bet to him in fantasy football this week. Right? It's like, oh, I want to tip the cab driver, you know, X amount of dollars and I don't have cash on it. Like that's what we're using it for today. But imagine a world, right, where you can do complex real estate transactions, right? Complex like estate settlements in them. Right? We're doing like things that are much more heavy, expensive in today's world, much more complex, but we're able to do those directly without all these intermediaries, without all this time lag, without all this cost. I mean, that's the big promise of DeFi 
and, and really where we're going. So I, this kind of makes me think of at some point we'll do an episode on estate planning. And if, if you don't have stuff squared away, what happens, but in the state of Florida, if you pass away and don't have a will, the assets you have, if you don't know beneficiaries go to probate. You basically have to take your legal documents, take them down to a courthouse and get a judge to say, yeah, okay, you're in charge to help. Whoever, whoever was listed in the will is going to help move the assets to wherever they need to go. Probate costs us 3%. Just do the math, but every $100,000, you have a substantial fee to just have someone say, yeah, okay, let's just transfer it. This is kind of what the attorneys charge. So yep. I'm going to guess you're going to see the legal area, you know, the, the, the legal industry just absorb this concept of smart contracts, where maybe if you go to, you know, if you think about now, if you're in a lawsuit back and forth, it could take years to get a settlement. You know, you get hit by a mail truck and then you're just litigation. It extends, it extends. Payment could all go up front as required per the contract. And then at the very end, the judge says, whatever it is, boom, payments are automatically set up. So I think you're going to start to see these intermediaries, even with local government and uh, kind of the judicial system use stuff like this to flow payments and solve contracts. So what you're I mean, saying I, I, is we're going to put our beneficiaries on the blockchain. I love it. Blockchain bennies. Blockchain bennies. I love it. <laughs> I uh, I could see governments possibly at, some, at, at a lot of different levels adopt this sooner than the legal system in mass only because lawyers get paid by the hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to be trying like let's speed this up a bit, guys. We're taking too long. This is where wanna, yeah. This is get down incentives, the road. And, oh yeah. I'll take the marketplace will force them, so it doesn't matter until there's a legal based blockchain. Then they'll be like, oh, let's just go all in on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what they want because the the market's going to force them, and that's where we're heading to, anyways. But um, well, no, going I, back I, I to think, DeFi, the other pretty neat thing from what I can tell that comes out of it is different income producing assets, right? So to make DeFi, you need to, someone has to take their assets and put them in this liquidity pool, right? So if I take my, whatever cryptocurrency it is and add it to a liquidity pool, so we can create this DeFi system that people can, you know, transfer different assets back and forth, I probably get interest for doing that, for locking up my side of it. So not only does it, does DeFi you know, get us away from having that centralized entity, give you more security, give you more uh, privacy, but also it gives people other forms of income. You know, how, how do you, you, instead of just buying a bond is your only source of income or a CD or whatever it is. Explain Chris helium. That's, that's something, I guess, kind of like an income producing asset. Explain that concept. Well, I feel like that helium is a type of cryptocurrency and they're trying to, basically make their own 4G right now and 5G internet access. So you buy, if you want to mine helium, you set up your own hotspot. It's basically just setting up, they call it the people's internet, right? Because individuals or whoever can buy these helium routers, you hook it up in your house with an antenna. That's how you quote unquote mine helium. The income side of it is I'm getting helium, which then I can go convert to dollars, right? So for me creating the people's internet, so they call it, um, 
I'm using some of my my power at my home, some of my bandwidth, <laughs> some uh, some of my bandwidth with the internet I pay for, and I'm basically giving off access to a hotspot for people to use or different companies to use. But yeah, it's just a, any mining you do creates income, right? You can just you get paid in whatever cryptocurrency you're mining, and then you can convert that to whatever your you know home currency is, dollars or or whatever it might be. Helium, you could probably take a whole episode on talking about, to be honest, because it's pretty neat. Um, no one listening knows what it is. Go check it out. Give it a quick Google. You can pull up a map to see the hot spots in your area, which is pretty cool to see. So you probably pretty have neat. neighbors within the. Uh, you probably have neighbors within like the mile radius of you who have these, who are creating these helium hotspots for different businesses to use. Yeah, don't be late to the party. Your neighbors are doing it already. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Well, I think the cool part about this is it's almost making it where the ways you can make money are kind of just unfolding rapidly with these decentralized platforms. And Bitcoin is good about moving money. And everyone thought, okay, this is just how drug dealers get their money around. <laughs> and it became a lot more than that. And with Ethereum, you're now looking at, okay, how many ways? How we're gonna... Well, you're basically giving the returns of an investment or even a process back to the people. So yep. the people's internet in this example, or the artist that writes a contract gets their dollars back. Or if I want to send Sean money to buy his house, I don't have to deal with a bank taking a cut on the inside. You can kind of go directly. Send it on home. Yeah. Send it on home. So we'll, 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 we'll buy that house offline. I don't want to do it on air. <laughs> We're going to crowdsource it. But yeah, yeah, you would you would think everyone who's concerned about wealth equality would be really interested in crypto because this does exactly that. This is a platform for anybody to use you can have one dollar or whatever a couple thousand bucks or obviously which way more than that but the decentralization takes the money away from the giant corporations who are already loaded so yeah so ethereum again has the same or some similar features as bitcoin where you can kind of transfer back and forth but having that smart contract base is the real interesting part the downside to it is it has been very expensive. I mean, I was Chris and I were talking about this today. I was just transferring crypto back between two wallets just to see what really what the cost was. And Ethereum today is kind of expensive. This is where fears, gas fees comes into play. So Ethereum's doing a big update to ETH two. So maybe Sean, Chris, whoever wants to take it, jump into kind of what they're trying to do to make this a more cost-effective ways, and then we'll get into some of their competitors that are trying to beat them to this. Yeah, yeah. So there's a big uh, upgrade coming, ETH uh, 2.0, and uh, essentially, you know, Chris and I talked about it a little bit earlier on. Uh, <clears throat> the big shift is from proof of work to proof of stake, which is going to increase the amount of um, transactions that can be computed per second uh, or processed per second. So, for example, I, I, I put this out there, um, and we can we can add this to the website, and we'll uh, we'll share this later in social media. But just to give a visual explanation of what we're talking about here, so transactions per second. To use Visa as an example, so Visa, world's largest credit card processor, being you know, payment processor in the world, does on average anywhere from twenty four up to sixty five thousand per second. That's their capacity, if you will. So 65,000 is the high end of their capacity, whereas 
Ethereum in its current form is somewhere around 20, right? So from there, and you know, Bitcoin is in the five to seven range. Um, Ethereum is around 20, PayPal is around 200. Now, what you have in, in Ethereum 2.0 by moving to proof of stake, just to give you an example of how much that's going to increase, they're going to be able to go from 20 per second to over 100,000 per second. So nearly doubling what Visa's capable of doing per second on a transactionary basis. So again, this just is, it will allow them to scale at such a, a, a bigger level. They'll be able to really uh, ha have an impact on the broader financial system. So good test I did. I took Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, oh, yeah. and Algorand, and I transferred them from Binance to Coinbase, all one after the next. Just wanted to see how quick it would go from one to the other. Mm -hmm. Some of the killers we'll get into real quick. Solana is trying to basically replicate this entire space. Cardano is doing the same thing. Algorand is kind of like a newcomer. The three of those transferred for the cheapest, and they were almost instantaneous. You submitted on one app, refresh the other app, it was there. Ethereum was pretty much the most cost-effective, or the most, not cost, cost-ineffective. Took me the longest or the most to move the funds. And then Bitcoin was the slowest. Again, I didn't use the Lightning Network. I went on the old rails. But just as far as transferring payment, some of the competitors that Ethereum is trying to update with Ethereum to, to match, literally it's instant. And their charge is, you know, a cent, 15 cents, 20 cents. It's, it's negligible. And so the goal is just yep. volume and speed, which is pretty cool. And I don't think you're really ever going to get an Ethereum killer, I think you're just going to have competition. You're going to have people yeah. who always use Ethereum. It's going to kind of be brand name deal. Some people like Nike. Some people want Adidas, right? It, yeah. You're going to have Venmo and PayPal. You're not going to have just one. None of this is going to become a monopoly, probably far from it. But right now there's 10,000 plus cryptos. Does, does most, the majority of the money probably whittles down to only a handful but you're, yep. you're going to, in that handful, you're going to have some that do the same thing. Yep. Venmo is PayPal, Chris. So, Oh, what well, a cash <laughs> app. There we go. Venmo cash app. Sorry. <laughs> no, but it, I would definitely echo uh, crypto Chris's sentiment and that uh, Ethereum has the first mover advantage. So obviously that's, that's big. Uh, I mean, now obviously they may not always be number two, but at the same time, they're going to always be extremely important. They're going to always be very big. Um, they'll never, you know, again, they'll never be a, an Ethereum killer. But these guys are, there's a lot of guys that are uh, really giving them a good run for their money right now, like Jack was just mentioning with that test run that he did. So to put that into perspective, because you said um, Solana Soul was almost instantaneous, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were the best performer, cheapest cost, the best one that you did. Yeah, them and Algorand were almost identical so speed Solana Solana's network right now can process sixty five thousand transactions per spec uh, per second okay. to add That's perspective to that. Right. So Ethereum two is going to more than you know it's going to essentially double that. Yeah. So again, there's but, but oh, I can't hear lost um, Sean's audio. He's talking to himself. Get that fixed, Sean. <laughs> Grow that microphone. 
While we're waiting for Sean, yeah, he's throwing the microphone grenade. Sean bought his uh, microphone for everyone listening at a uh, Dollar General and still taking time. He's transferring via the old Bitcoin rails right now, his audio into the platform. So he, he's trying to communicate with us. Sean, just send a carrier pigeon that'll get here before you fix that microphone. <laughs> We're not clipping any of this, Sean. We're going to keep this in so people know how, <laughs> how slow your crypto platform is. No, but I think that's the, the big thing to look at with these currencies is you're really able to transfer money really, really quick. Even if you do a traditional ACH from your bank, it's going to take hours to settle. Even a wire, it can take up to an hour. And some of these are literally transferring in minutes. It's, it's not using the traditional banking rails. You're kind of creating new rails altogether. All right. You welcome back. I'm back, you assholes. I can't get rid of you <laughs> easily. Your point wasn't very good anyway, so we didn't want to hear it. Thank God. I think Jack just muted you. Yeah, just kicked time. you out of there. I know. That was actually intentional, and I don't appreciate it. I just want that to be known. So Sean, all about sabotage, Sean. All right. Sean, how do you buy Ethereum? Yeah, yeah. No, that's if, a good. If you want exposure to it. Invest in it. Good generally. question. Yeah, at the end of the day, what is all this about, right? We're all talking about investing and how can we make more money by investing, what we have, right? Scarce resources. Um, so there's obviously the direct way, right? You, you get a wallet, you go to an exchange, you buy it, you secure it. Um, not everybody's overly comfortable doing that. Right, so that's the traditional way we've touched on that before. Same way with buying Bitcoin, we touched on that the previous episode. Um, again, there's a lot of very reputable exchanges out there, um, but if you're not overly comfortable with that side of the fence, buying it directly or in you know investing in it directly like that, you can also look at uh, buying it through security. Right, so a Fidelity, a Schwab account, a you know. Uh, a Robinhood, a Weeble, or whatever, right? All these different brokerage firms where you can open up an account and buy it indirectly through a security. Um, you know, obviously ETHE, so uh, Ethereum's uh, trust through Grayscale. Grayscale is the largest, they're the largest asset manager in the crypto space from a securities perspective. So ETHE is a very good way. You now, obviously, there's pros and cons. Uh, that's not accessible 24 hours like investing in it directly is, but at the same time, you're not having to worry about making sure your ether is, is secure or getting hacked or, you know, there's some of those kind of uh, outside the box concerns that if you invest in it through security, you don't have to worry about. Um, then there's obviously, there's the, there's a couple of, of ETFs or ETNs that you can invest in that are uh, not 100% Ethereum, right? But they give you some Ethereum exposure. Uh, so Bitwise is one of them. Bitwise has a, uh, a top 10 crypto index fund, essentially. And I believe Ethereum is around 28, 30% of that. Um, and I believe the symbol to that is BITW. Uh, and then there's uh, GDLC. So that's Grayscale's large cap. Like, again, Chris and I were joking about it earlier. The old legacy uh, crypto is now called large cap. <laughs> but uh, essentially, yeah, the, these crypto large caps, um, they've lumped them into a top 10. And um, and it's a similar type of a breakdown where I believe it's, you know, 60% Bitcoin, 20 to 30% Ethereum. And then the rest is a lot of the other more uh, popular ones. And then the last way I would say is 
through LPs or private placements, right? You can still work with your financial advisor to find a private vehicle that essentially gives you that direct exposure, but it does it through a pooled vehicle that provides a lot more security, a lot more safety for higher net worth investors that um, they may feel more comfortable with. But for the average person, again, either buying it directly is, is the best way or looking at a security, ETHE, uh, GDLC, BitW. Yep. Those, are, those would be the easiest ways to get direct access to it. And don't forget to go back to our episode on the $5 billion Roth IRA because we talked about you can invest your retirement dollars if done correctly through a self-directed IRA. Yep. And some of the platforms, I know Coinbase is one of them, will directly connect to them. So basically, you can just pair your Roth IRA, your IRA, right up to Coinbase and literally hold some coin in your wallet inside of your retirement account. So there's a lot of ways to do that. Again, do your own research. We're not telling you what to do. We don't know who the hell is listening to this right now. So do your own research. But there is a lot of ways to do this outside of just opening an app. Yeah, it's extremely uh, aggressive, risk on, right? So don't take the majority of your money and put it into crypto because you think you're going to become rich overnight. Be willing to lose 90%. So, you know, take maybe a tiny percentage and tiptoe in just to learn how it works. That's what I would say. Or if you're Sean, just all dice on the table, all chips (laughs) on the table. What do you think holds a hair up, Slick? Not everyone has that haircut, so we can't all do it. Scared money don't make money. Mm. With that, scared money don't make no money. Let's get to our closing section, the buy, sell, and hold. I'm going to start. You guys can take this, either one of you. Buy, sell, or hold. In 24 months, Ethereum is bigger than Bitcoin. I sell uh, that. I'll sell that. I'll sell that. Yeah, I'll sell I, don't, that I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that at all. Two hard sells. Two hard sells. Yeah. I'm I take my chips. Go home. I there's just um, well, yeah. The, the first the first mover advantage is it is huge, right? I mean, you're talking about an asset class that's more than double the size that still has a tremendous amount of functionality to it. That's also so Bitcoin still has the ETF coming out. You know, potentially. Well, I guess the futures ETF potentially coming out in the next few weeks, who knows, um, or the true ETF that it will invest in it directly within the next 60 to 90 to 120 days, that's going to open up the world to a lot more, uh, it's just easier access to it. And then the other thing I would, I would add to that is that the, the, the majority of large cap, you know, the majority of large inflows are going to be from institutions and institutions for the most part. I don't believe are going to just bypass Bitcoin and go straight to Ethereum or straight to any of the other altcoins. They're going to go into Bitcoin first and treat it almost like a traditional financial model, right? Like this is a blue chip. This is an, you know, this is the legacy large cap asset. That's going to be everybody's first bite. And then they're going to sprinkle into the rest of them. So for those reasons, I don't, I don't think there's any feasible realistic scenario that Bitcoin gets leapfrogged by Ethereum in the next 24 months. But that I could be wrong. Shark that's, Tank, and you just said you're, you're out. And I'm fucking uh, out. I'm fucking out. <laughs> that, your question was similar to what my question was going to be, but because you put a time frame on it so short, I would say no, I'll sell that. But I was going to say my, my buy, sell, or hold was going to be, do you guys think Ethereum will flip Bitcoin 
period, whether it's 10 years, 15 years? No. I'm going to say yes, because I think most of these are priced on usage. And I think if a new shiny thing comes out with a better story, that's the biggest thing that I think is the risk in this space is if a new shiny thing that does something better, I mean, Bitcoin was created by someone nobody knows. Let's say another one that's more efficient couldn't be created by something that nobody knows. Elon Musk could just be screwing with all of us and then he, you know, implodes this whole thing and just flies himself on a rocket right to Mars. That could be how this ends. I think that is how this ends. I think the utility of, you know, the current capital markets and how much that can be adjusted by smart contracts makes it where I think some smart contract platform has a huge runway ahead. Boom. Sean said no. So with that, you got to tell us your buy, sell, hold. Well, I'm selling that because at the end of the day, Bitcoin is the most secure network of them all. The granddaddy, the grandiose, the immutable, untouchable. I'm going to hack it, Sean, while we're on this podcast. Can't do it. All right. He's not, he's not crypto, Sean. He's Bitcoin, Sean. I'm Bitcoin, Sean. Bitcoin Maxi is what I'm, they call I'm that. King Coin. <laughs> King Are you Coin. Michael Saylor? I'm King Coin. You King cannot, Coin. But the thing is, you can't you can't harm this. So it will always be the the one that the when when central banks begin to falter in the next ten years, fifteen, twenty years, and economies get shaky and things start to happen, like we saw ten-ish years ago in Europe, right? When we saw the central you know, Greece and Cyprus. And I'm already this. stocking up on cans of tuna and rice. I'm just so. saying. When these, these central banks get a little shaky, they're going to go back to the most secure network, the most secure, and that is KingCoin. So King Coin. That, All right, well, for King, that I sell you. King, King Coin, Sean, let's, uh, let's hear your buy, sell, hold. All right, so uh, September jobs numbers, very disappointing. Labor shortage is holding back hiring. Um, what are your guys' takes on... Uh, how we finish the year? Do you think this starts? Start, do you think this is a short-term event and it starts to dissipate? Hiring picks back up. The economy starts to get better, especially since September was when the federal uh, unemployment benefits really started to fade away. So we're just starting to see some of that dislocation start to uh, abate. Do you think that's going to start uh, improving as the year ends? Buy seller. Can we can we put the jobs on the blockchain? No, Steve Jobs. <laughs> I I think all these numbers are just a waste of time until this COVID stuff goes away. Right now, it's just like it's just clustered depending on what state you're in. Yeah, that's what true. Department you're in, they just you know fire a bunch of nurses, and then you know it, it, there's just there's so much stuff going on. I don't I don't trust any of the numbers right now. We're yeah. just kind of in that. Just just kind of hang tight. You know, trade your crypto and your AMC and GameStop. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, have a beer and just chill out. The jobs yeah. numbers will come around. What a fall from grace with AMC, huh? Oh. I know. Hey, at least they recapitalized themselves. Dude, I had a couple of freaking phenomenal swings on that thing. And I uh, definitely am glad I never touched it again. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> it has just been that, a dumpster uh, fire. I saw that. How roaring... did we get from jobs numbers to AMC? Who knows? <laughs> We went right for the deep end, Chris. <laughs> Jobs numbers. What do you got? Well, was your was your question? Am I buying or selling more jobs? Better well, more I, jobs or less jobs? Do you do, are you buying or selling that it's going to get better? That we're improving much jobs? Yeah, 
<laughs> the I like of jobs. jobs. I think everyone needs one. Everyone should get a job. <laughs> Good deal. Do you think jobs numbers are getting better or worse from here? Um, short term, I think they probably stay where they are. I think long term, they're going to be better. Um, yeah, people aren't going to keep laying, like Jack was saying, that hospital workers are getting laid off because they don't want to take the vaccine. Yep. You can't keep yep. doing that. Unless yep. you want to force yourself into a recession, which sure. maybe that's somebody's goal. You can't keep doing that. So I think the next few months are probably mundane like they are now, but I think it gets rosier 12 months from now. I like Amazon's going to going to blow it up by just hiring like a million holiday workers anyways. So, you know, numbers are coming back up indirectly, Sean. Touche. I like it. Crypto right, Chris. Chris let you go on the horn. On the horn. All right. Um, so we'll, we'll stick with the, the traditional finance. And Sean took us out of the metaverse and brought us back into real life. Um, <laughs> the S&P 500 was down, what, 6% recently? Yep. And this is the first real drawdown we've seen in, well, this year for sure, and almost in over a year. So my buy, sell, or hold will be, do you guys think this continues? Do you think we get a 10%, maybe a 15% pullback or something bigger before we move on to higher prices? All right, I guess I'll grab that one. Um, yeah, I think we'd probably get a uh, a bigger pullback before we really get much higher than where we're at. I think there's a um, I think there's some questionable numbers that are going to be coming out from the employment space. I think interest rates are going to spike. Um, I think we're going to see a squeeze in the energy markets. Uh, I think there, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a kind of a, a confluence of a lot of events that are going to cause a risk off event and. You know, we could see a 10 plus percent correction uh, here fairly soon. I don't know, month, two months. And then, um, but then I, but then uh, all that said, I do believe we go higher from there. I believe that would just be nothing more than a buying opportunity. And um, I'm still big on it uh, long term. Yeah. I think you might see a little more choppiness, but I don't think it's going to be anything sustainable. I'd buy all the dips, which I think everyone else is doing anyway. So gotta have cash to just, buy though. Gotta have cash to buy. Well, that's why the, I, the stat I just saw is there's what $12 billion in U S savings accounts right now. Oh, so trillion. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I messed that up by a couple of zeros. So 12 trillion. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of cash <laughs> to buy. All right. So here's mine. John, I'm going to go to your favorite topic. Yeah. China. 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 So Elon Musk was interviewed by Kara Swisher earlier this week, and Tesla says they're going to expand their investments in China for the fact that the Chinese automakers are the most competitive in the world, and he sees that they have the best. They're the global leader when it comes to digitalization. So all the Chinese stocks ripped on this news. Are you changing your tune, Sean? Nope. I thought you were going to sing Team America. That would have been way Ain't better. doing it. America! Yeah. No, I uh, am not <laughs> changing my team. <laughs> that, was, that was a lovely rendition, Crypto Chris. I, uh, no, I, I'm Cheers. not changing my tunes. Yeah. Cheers for that. No, I'm All not right. changing my tunes. I think at the end of the day, the um, you know he's saying what he needs to say, and I don't fault him for that. Obviously, that's you know his... Number two market, his fastest growing market. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, he's a 
he's the head of a company that's got to grow in a market that if he doesn't, you know, to some degree kowtow, and if he doesn't to some degree uh, tip the cap, and if he just goes out and bashes Chinese manufacturers or just goes out and bashes the Chinese government, they're, they'll basically squish him out of the market and they won't let him play the game. So at the end of the day, there's no way that I, I think that he um, is able to really do business in China if he doesn't, you know, yeah. say things like that. So I, I think there's some, maybe there, maybe he's right in the sense that, yeah, they are the most competitive, but at the same time, they're very competitive because they've stolen all of his IP and they're replicating it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's open source. It's open, it's open source. Open. So it's pretty hard to compete when somebody's stealing all your stuff, but uh, who knows? Chris, you buying that? You buying Musk or what are you doing? Uh, anything Musk says or touches goes up. Dogecoin, Shiba coin recently, you know, and he says anything and his stock goes up. So I, this is all short term noise that I just would ignore. But on China, you know, I don't know. I, I Honestly, China's been beat up so bad. They were up like 17% the whole country. If you look at the country's index beginning of the year and now they're down like 14%. So have they taken a big enough beating to where they should probably turn around? I would say yes, but is China going to be the, so you're asking specifically for the automotive industry and electric cars. I don't think they're going to be the, the leader by any means. Oh, all right, John, close us out. Close us out. Buy, sell, or hold hundred dollar barrel oil. Back to traditional Bye. assets. Look at this. Yes. Whoa. Crypto this and crypto that. $100 barrel yeah. oil, buy, sell, or hold. And if so, how does it impact the uh, economy? Ooh. Can Big I go Walmart. first? Jack, yeah, go ahead. Fire away. I think it's coming. I think anytime you do these, these backlogs, you got those tankers just spinning. You know, you got all these big old ships doing donuts in the port. Over and over and over again. No out. refilling. There's just this anything involving a supply chain is just a complete cluster fuck right now. So I think anything that you know, a lot of that involves fuel and a lot of these things are backlogged and they can't release gas. And so they're probably not drilling gas, which is probably part of the problem here. They're just not sending it out. It's kinda of like lumber a few months back. So I'm buying hundred dollar gas is coming. Hundred dollar barrel oil. Yeah, I oil. got it. I think if OPEC wants it, OPEC will get it. <laughs> but we're almost there. We're at, what, 82, depending on which index you're looking at, Brent or WTI. You, we're almost there. We're at, like, $80, $80 a barrel. So what's another 20 bucks a barrel? That's, you know, we're, we're almost 25% there. jump. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. But, yeah, I, I Yeah, I guess. But, I know, I think inflation's real, man, and I think this is part of it. So I, I don't necessarily know if it's, all transitory in different areas of the world are obviously different. And I think oil, yeah, the inflation in the oil world's real. I mean, we're up 30% since mid August. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we could definitely see another rush. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of chinks in the supply chain and uh, there's almost what seems like a, uh, a blowback from, you know, unintended consequences by the, uh, by the government, right. To push certain, push certain types of energy uses over other, uh, limit the supply of certain types of energy usage over other. And obviously when you limit the supply, you force, you know, you, you, you cut the demand out. It's, 
there, there's unintended consequences, and this definitely is one that seems as being spurred more by governments making poor choices than the uh, than the true market itself. Hence, bring it back to Bitcoin, Sean. All this stupid shit with governments. Get rid of them. By, by well, the king coin. <laughs> d- disrupt supply chain with blockchain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you got to do. There you go. <laughs> All right, Everything Jack, you're up. Chain. Jack, you're up. Was that two each? Was that I think two that's each? it, yeah. That's Sean two just wants each, to Sean. keep going. He can't get enough. Just, I'm just fired away. I'm just fired up. We're getting a good day. <laughs> Anytime we go to the metaverse, Sean loses his sense, you know, his, foot, his footing. I don't want to come back. All right, well, Sean, I'm so excited. You can wrap us up. How's that? All right. Well, hey, everybody, thank you very much for uh, for hanging in there with us. Touched on a lot of different topics, obviously, Ethereum, uh, ETH, the, the coin itself, uh, all the different applications and what it's being used for, a lot of the exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, Ethereum 2.0, uh, different ways to invest, obviously, because that's what's most important. Um, and then, obviously... Some uh, we hit some some pretty interesting buy sell holes there, but thank you as always, uh, Jack, Crypto Chris. Obviously, until next week. Thank you guys. Uh, cheers. Cheers, yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see ya. You got it. Signing out from the metaverse. Boom. Adios, everyone. Jack and Sean work for Cinch Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cinch Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Cinch Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.